Welcome to Composers Roundtable, where each week we talk to famous musical composers who have unusual musical talents. Today our guest is Mr. Joe Bim, who has been credited with inventing what we call the bossa nova. Mr. Bim lives in Brazil now, is that right, Mr. Bim? See. Si. So let's get right on talking to him. Uh, Mr. Bim, may I call you Joe? Joe is fine, yes. Okay, Joe, I understand that you invented bossa nova. Uh, this is, uh, this is, uh, been said. Many people have said this. Name one. There was, uh, only putting you on, Joe. I'm sorry. Okay. Uh, but you should be sorry, not me. How did you invent the bossa nova? I mean, it's not every day that someone invents a new form of music. I mean, people do write new songs and things, but how do you, how does one go about inventing uh, a new form of there music? Is, there is a strange story behind uh, the bossa nova, which I think you might be able to uh, understand this way. Um, I, I was in America at the time, and I was working for a man who's producing a record company. Mm -hmm. And uh, he said uh, I, he wanted me to go play in a session somewhere. Yeah, with my guitar. So you're working for this uh, man this who is correct. the producer of a record company. Didn't I just say that? Yes, you did, and I was just reiterating it. That's your opinion. But what what I mean is, I, I was going with this car. On the way, I, I was I was thinking of writing some of my own music, and maybe I would uh, sort of so you, infiltrate. In other words, you, you were Do you like that word infiltrate? That's nice. I like that. I just learned that one yesterday. You were driving along, singing a song, and you and it came to you this idea. Well, it was an idea for a different kind of music. Mm. See. But that's very interesting. Yes. Well, anyway, I was driving. Was, this was uh, the uh, producer's car. Yes. And you were working for him. Yes, this was in 1959. Oh, Brazil. Maybe it was 1960. Anyway, I was running along, and I, I thought of this kind of music to do. See, and I I, uh, I went to the studio and I, and I did it. I said I have this new kind of music. That um, what did they do when you told them that? Well, uh, they threw four microphones at me. But I didn't really. I didn't get hurt much uh, at all. Were they stereo mics? My arm still hurts a bit. Ah, yes, I noticed that. that. Um, but, um, but that's another story. Remind me to get back to that uh, about okay. something. But uh, anyway, I said, let me play this for you. Do I play yet? No, play you, you in a while you will. Okay. So you, know, you said, and you said, uh, I invented this new form they of music. Me, and they said yeah. to me, what do you call it? They said, what do you call this music? So I said, I don't know. But I thought about it while driving over in my boss's Nova. You were driving in your boss's car. Yes. And he had a Nova. A Nova. So it was your, so they, they, it was your boss's Nova. Right. right. Oh. So uh, they just... So, so, in other words, it's really boss's Nova music. And yes. then it's, it just became... Fair enough. Fair enough. And it, it threw, uh, you know, just different changes in language. It became the bossa nova. I think you've given us a, a very it? interesting conversation here about how you invented the bossa nova. Now we're going to hear Mr. Joe Bim playing some bossa nova. I'm going to sing it in Portuguese. That's quite alright. There's a story behind the opening phrase, which I will tell you after. Mm -hmm. 
Was wonderful. Uh, what was the name of that? Um, in Portuguese and in English. In English, please. In English, I don't know. You have no name for that name. I have no idea what it means in English. In Portuguese, it is called Pelge. Pelge? You say wrong. Pelge. Pelge. Okay. Well, Mr. Bim, Joe. You call me Joe. Okay, Joe Bim. Our guest has been Mr. Joe Bim. Why, why not play in the background? It's like, okay. So our guest has been Mr. Joe Bim, inventor and creator of His Boss's Nova. We'll be back again next week on Composer's Roundtable. See you then. City, Los Angeles, California. The street is the Sunset Strip, vibrating, pulsating. The strip gathers more than just an array of waning sunlight. It attracts hippies, weirdos, drug addicts, prostitutes, and me. I carry a badge. I'm Sergeant Jack Sunday, LA Police Force. Along with my partner, Phil Cannon, I scan the city with a web of righteousness, dedicated to cleaning up the crime that is attracted to Los Angeles like a magnet. The story you're about to hear comes nowhere near the truth. Only the names of innocent people have been taken to destroy their reputations. It was Wednesday, May 17th. It was hot in Los Angeles. We were working the Bunko Division. The boss is Captain Frost. The captain told us of a call he received from the Parks Department, a 495 call, which I still can't understand because the Park Department isn't far from the station house. Should have only cost two bits. Anyway, it was a Section 3, Subsection B12, Code 8, Size 16, 32 long sleeves, two pair of pants. Anyhow, they filed a report concerning the robbery of tar from the La Brea tar pits. I told Phil. Phil, what's that? That's you. Oh. We've got a 321, Section 7, Subsection. Cut the numbers, Jack. I can't make head nor tail out of them. You call yourself a policeman? Phil Cannon, you're a policeman. That's enough. Now listen, phone call from the Parks Department. What's that? You know, swings, sliding ponds, trees, grass. Oh, a dope case. Let's leave your family out of this. Get your coat and we'll go. But Jack, you said at the beginning of the program that it was hot in Los Angeles. I don't need a coat. But I do. I lied. 7.40 a.m. What the heck was I doing up that early? It was unusually cold. Unseasonable. 57 degrees. Cloudy. Tomorrow, rain in the northern areas with a high in the 70s. Phil Cannon and I rode to the La Brea tar pits. 
We took the LA freeway till we couldn't see anymore. Turned right at exit 15, and then had to go back because that's not the way you get to the La Brea tar pits. Three days later, May 19th, it was humid and sticky in Los Angeles, but we didn't care because we were in La Brea. We reached the tar pits at 9.26 a.m. Phil, here we are at the tar pits. What tar pits? The little hard things in the center of fruits. Well, that's just peachy. Do you see any suspects? Just that man taking pictures. We ran over and grabbed him by the nape of the neck and threw him to the ground. It was then he figured something was wrong. We tried not to talk too rough to him. Police officers, Bunko Division. I'll give you Bunko. What do you think you're doing? Where were you on the night of January 7th? I was home with my wife. You should have been with me and Phil. We went to a great party. What's this all about? We're police officers. We stop crimes. You committed any lately? Ah, that's none of your business. That's not only our business, it's our love. We love crime. I mean... Uh... Shut up, Phil. All right, man, taking pictures. Just the facts. Anything you say will be held against you. Ah, uh, Raquel Welch. Smart guy, eh? Listen, you've been taking tar out of the tar pits. What tar pits? Tell him, Jack. Never mind. Why do you steal? It's just a sideline. I sell vegetables for a living. Good money, stock them, package them. You ever eat vegetables? No, I eat on tables. Well, anyway, the man you're looking for moved to Oregon. What are we gonna do, Jack? We can't go to Oregon. We got lost getting here. What's his name? I have no idea. I don't even know him. Listen, you've got a long stretch ahead of you now. You'd better give us the data, now. We've met a lot of characters like you. One day they're vegetable salesmen, the next day criminals. Starts when they're young. Steal a bubblegum, then a toy, then a car, then the U.S. Mint. Anything you can get away with. Now you can't fool us. So just tell us the truth. Who is he? All right, just one thing. What's that? Stop standing on my head. He gave us the name of a man, Ken Cramnose. We checked back to headquarters. They had him listed as living at 465 Grim Street, near the Strip. I'd never heard of it, neither had Phil, so by the time we found it, it was June. June 6th. It was hot in Los Angeles, so hot, that Phil and I took off, went to the beach. June 7th, 8.37 p.m., we found Grim Street and Cam Cramnos. He answered the door. Where were you guys? I've been to Oregon and back in the time it took you to get here. We made a wrong turn on Route 80. Mm, but Route 80 is in New Jersey. I know, I know. It was a turn for the worse. All right, Cramnos. Where's the tar? In the driveway. Don't get smart. You know a man who takes pictures. Why? Is he in trouble? No. He has a pound of vegetables for you that you never picked up. Cram knows you're under arrest. Why? Because it's been three weeks since we've arrested anybody. And it's near the end of the show now. And someone had to steal a tar from the tar pits. What tar pits? Forget it. The suspect was found guilty of withholding evidence he didn't know and of robbery. He was found guilty of section 890.099 and three quarters, in that the judge liked that number. He is currently out on bail.
Dixon. Mr. Dixon, there's a man outside with a black suitcase who wants to see you. Tell him I already have a black suitcase and then tell him he can see me on channel 12 at 8 o'clock. Mason Dixon, you must defend me. My wife was killed by playing tennis. The police think that I did it. Well, did you? Well, well, yes. How? She enraged me during the first set of a tennis match, so I let her have it in the face with, with my racket. What racket are you in? Oh, well, I sell uh, friends to lonely people. Oh, a buddy racket. Well, we'll take this to court then? No, thanks. I don't play tennis. No, no, no. I, I meant a court of law. Are you crazy? You can't play tennis in a courtroom? Oh, please. I, I can't. I, please take me Very take well. to the court. We'll Very well. We'll take it to the highest court. The Supreme Court? No. 53 Burger Street. It's on the 105th floor. Order! Order! My client will have a soft-boiled egg because he has acne. Dixon! Another breakout like that, and I'll have your job! I object on the grounds that the judge is biased. Then he'll buy us all a soft-boiled egg. My client did not kill his wife. He's lying! Well, who ever heard of Mason Dixon lying? May I call the first witness, Lenny Norgood, to the stand? Yes. Lenny Norgood, to the stand. I saw the whole thing. He didn't do it. Sounds good. The defendant is found not guilty. Wait a second! I haven't had a chance to present my case! All right, go ahead. Mason, here's a case. A brand new leather suitcase. Happy birthday. I rest my case. Mason Dixon, how did you know the client could get away with murder when you only had one witness? Well, honey, you see, any man who kills his wife with a tennis racket proves only one thing. What? The wife had guts. Sit yourself down on the pavement and Try to recall all the beautiful dreams that extend from your cellophane dinner table. A crushed Tootsie Roll beneath your shoe. A beer can dented at 12 degree angles from the center. Tipsy-turvy metallic pieces of symbolic situations. I used to kick that can when I was younger. And my girlfriend would kick mine when she was older. It is beneath me now, though, in celluloid memories that pick my brain. And I recall the 1953 Fords. As a matter of fact, all the 1953 Fords were recalled. And I remember 45th Street as it was before they came and stabbed me for ten cents. Oh, the pain. 
of memorabilia. Not to mention the knife in my side. A mugger mother on a muggy Monday in Midtown Manhattan. Yes, even fear strikes half, Nelson. That's me. And fear was the key to this sea search. It was three weeks ago when Dr. Farley Hambrain, famous archaeologist, MD, PhD, and NOJOB, called me. He said it was urgent. I guess you're wondering why I asked you here, Half Nelson. Tell me a story. I know you have one. I've found what I think is proof that the great lost continent of Atlantis existed. A few of my colleagues found, underwater, a strange huge obstacle that resembles a tiny toad. And it's got this big, um, Mr. Nelson? Mr. Nelson? Mr. Nelson? Oh, oh, sorry. Stories always put me to sleep. Did you say tiny toad? Yes, I did. Well, tell me more. Um, I would like you to take a team of my colleagues down below the sea and find out if the tiny toad was, in fact, something from Atlantis. Well, what's in it for me? Fame. I won't do it. Adventure. Never touch the stuff. And money. So there I was with Hambrain's crew of five searching for a connection between the huge tiny toad and the lost continent of Atlantis. After I explained to the crew that there was no way they could suck their thumbs and breathe at the same time underwater, we were on our way. We had brought with us a petrochinoscope. This is Dr. Hambrain's great invention that is used to locate ancient sunken cities. After all, being an archaeologist, Hambrain's career lies in ruins. The machine started to pick up something. I called Hambrain on my scuba mask microphone. Dr. Hambrain, the machine is going haywire. What? a great opening a thousand feet wide, a thousand feet deep. It looked like a crater of some sort. I couldn't tell just how old the crater was. It's very hard to judge craters. When I finally decided that nothing could be crater than this, I realized the rock formation was covered from inch to inch with huge tiny toad figurines. Suddenly I was stunned from behind. 
and one of the crew had pulled off my breathing apparatus. He had a knife. He plunged at me. I made gestures to the other four men to help out, but they were too busy making designs out of the seaweed to notice. When I had finally disarmed the man, he had to resort to fighting with his feet. Still no match for me. I decided not to smoke. Then all five of us surfaced and went aboard Hambrain's boat. Hop Nelson, what happened? One of your men is a traitor. Really? What will he give me for a 1910 Indian head nickel? No, what I mean is he attempted to kill me underwater. Can you think of a better place to attempt to kill someone? I think there's something phony going on here. Whatever gives you that idea? With that, Hambrain pulled out a gun and attempted to shoot me. Unfortunately, he had forgotten one thing. A bullet. Hambrain, what's this all about? Well, I planted those tiny toads down there. I wanted to make a fool out of the famous Half Nelson, humiliate you in front of thousands of listeners. Millions. Sorry. Anyway, I failed. And you can't pay me? Afraid not. Luckily, I hadn't forgotten bullets. As Hambrain fell to the ground, he shouted uproariously, Uproariously! This is Half Nelson, inviting you to the next exciting adventure of Sea Search, and reminding you to keep swimming in waters. <laughs> <laughs>